This video was created during the 2023 WGA and SAG strikes. Without the labor of the writers and actors currently on strike, Star Wars Rebels and Ahsoka wouldn't exist. Learn more about the strike at the link in the description. What's up everyone and welcome back to our Star Wars Rebels rewatch. This is our discussion on season four, the final season. We made it before Ahsoka started. <laughs> Look at us. Please clap. Please clap. <laughs> we we started something and ended it when we said we would instead of the Clone Wars thing. So we, we have grown as creators and as people. Proud of us. Over the past five years. <laughs> well, getting into season four, I wanted to start the way we've started all of these and talk about some of our first impressions of the season uh, back when it was first airing. So do you have any memories in the buildup to when season four was going to begin? Still no. <laughs> I I don't know. Like it feels so long ago when we were watching these live when they were airing. Um, vague memories here and there. Biggest memory though is us taking a trip to Italy, uh, <laughs> in the middle of the not in the middle. It, it at was the like very end. at the very end when the finale was going to be airing, and then uh, me falling asleep during the finale because like it was the middle of the night there. And then you covering it, like writing a review and recording it uh, very quietly as to not wake me up <laughs> on vacation. Yeah, that was uh, a wild time that we had planned a vacation for my birthday uh, to go to Italy. And it just so happened that our travel day was like the day that Star Wars Rebels was going to end. And I remember we had like layovers and our flight and stuff and i was desperately trying to get on like itunes or amazon and trying to download the episodes and it wouldn't work and obviously the plane wi-fi was garbage so like i was just sitting there wanting so badly to finish the series and we couldn't um and then we we finally got to our destination in our hotel and we watched it and you fell asleep because we'd been traveling for hours and hours and hours and <laughs> I just stayed up and pushed through. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was kind of a mess. Um, so like that is just a personal memory of ours that sticks out in my mind. And I feel like it did really like put a significant stop to my excitement for the show because like everything was happening. We were trying to enjoy our vacation. So like this rewatch... Truly, I keep saying it, but it truly has like changed my perspective about the show as a whole, and like giving given me some much better closure uh, on these characters and their stories. That getting, makes sense. Getting to rewatch the whole series, uh, doing these reviews like one season at a time has been a lot easier, and it's made it more enjoyable for us to watch. Oh, yeah. It was fun to be able to just blow through the whole thing. I think we watched it all in about three weeks with a couple of breaks. Uh, I was going to jump to the other end of season four and talk about our first memories at our first Star Wars celebration. 2017 was that was in Orlando and uh, we got to be in the room for the panel for Star Wars Rebel season four. Don't even remember that. It, yeah, it we, was so, of all a blur. <laughs> it was a blur. It was even back then. It was all very fast and crazy. And I would say 2017 is a pretty subdued celebration compared to what it's become. 
but overwhelming too yeah. for us because we had never done a celebration before and we just like had so much to to look at and to see and to experience but it was so cool to be able to be in the room and dave first of all announced that it was going to be the final season uh he had the ahsoka lives question mark oh yeah sh- slash exclamation point shirt <laughs> and then we got to watch the first episode uh which months early at that point so that was a really really fun experience so that's my memory of the build-up to season four yours is like a a really awesome fun memory and mine is like you remember when we tried to watch the finale during our vacation in italy and it was a disaster i mean (laughs) if you hadn't brought that up i was going to bring that up as well is that yeah it was that was a very chaotic time to try to finish that and that's just the struggle of like I I always want to try to get reviews out because I know people want to see that stuff and the struggle of trying to balance uh, this vacation we've had planned for forever with like, and it's the last episode of Star Wars Rebels <laughs> and, yep. and wanting to talk about it and wanting to see it. But now let's talk about the rewatch. And like you said, we've been able to get through all of these episodes a lot faster. It's been great to binge them, frankly, I, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we watched season four in two sittings my <laughs> plan really yeah my Oops. plan was to do it's 15 episodes and i was going to do five five and five so we sat down and we watched the first five one day and was like that was great and then i forget I, I guess it was just a sunday and we were like let's watch another five episodes of rebels we had just gotten back from comic-con i think so and I, we I think needed... we were just like having a decompression day. Yeah, we needed a, a post-travel, just like do-nothing day where we just sit and watch TV all day. And I, I, I was like, let's watch the next five episodes of Rebels. And the, that next five ends with Jedi Knight. And we were just kind of like, let's keep going. I think you said you wanted to grieve with all of the characters. Uh, so yes. let's watch one more. And then at that point, we're like, well, there's only four more. So <laughs> Right. We kept just like at the end of every episode, we were like, I mean, we've got time. Let's keep going. Yeah. But truly, after seeing Jedi Knight, I was such a mess emotionally. I was like, we're not going to grieve just the two of us sitting here about to like cook dinner and go about our day. We, I needed to grieve alongside the rest of the characters in the show in the coming episodes i'll have to give you that picture of you with just a pillow over your face (laughs) (laughs) which yeah that uh, we'll talk about big moments and stuff but that was a moment i was excited slash dreading to watch again and the second you hear that just atat footstep that sound scares me now Mm -hmm. and just lets you know what's coming uh I, I wasn't expecting such a, a visceral response from myself to just hearing that noise and knowing how sad I was about to be. Yeah. But what what are your thoughts on this season? Uh, it's a shorter one, on more on the same length as season one, 15 episodes as opposed to 22. Mm-hmm. So how, how did you feel about the season as a whole? I liked it. I didn't love how it started, to be honest. Like, I feel like... Out of everything that we got to experience in season three, the way season four starts like head on into the, all the Mandalorian stuff, I was kind of like, okay, fine. It, it, <laughs> I love Sabine, but these episodes just kind of felt, 
I don't know. It felt off to me to, to start the season like that. So Mando and Sabine heavy. I absolutely see what you're saying. It does feel like this little detour that is set apart from the rest of the season. And Dave talked about at that panel in celebration, he's like, this is going to be the final season. And everyone in the audience was like, no. And he's like, I know, I get it, but I want to really be able to finish this story and finish it the way I want to. And at that time, and he said this, he was like, I didn't get to do that with the Clone Wars. And things have changed since then, but Mm -hmm. I really do get the sense that season four of Star Wars Rebels was very tightly written uh there are no episodes in it that i would consider it like some people would throw around the term filler Mm. and i I have feelings about that but i'm like every episode of this season feels necessary to the larger story and the mandalorian stuff i think is just we have these loose ends from season three so right at the start let's just get that done yeah it did feel like there was a lot to tie up in the end for for it to be the last season and a shorter season it just felt like everything had been compressed by a lot and for Kanan especially I felt like what's Kanan been doing like since he gets blinded by Maul he's in it a little bit he has like a few things to do but he's like mostly gone or like mostly just doesn't have much to do or say and then we get shoved into, oh, this is all about him now. And then he dies. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> I hated it. <laughs> it's so sad. <laughs> like, he just gets shoved back into the story in this huge way. And you're like, okay. And then don't even get me started on him and uh, Hera's we'll relationship. Talk, we'll talk all about that episode. I promise. Because I, I mean, you, you had a lot to say then. I'm sure you have a lot to say now, too. I'm hurt. It, it was hurting. Hurting? Hurtful? Yeah. <laughs> Dave Filoni hurt us. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I, I think that the season as a whole is very purposeful and confident. And, like, Dave just knew what he wanted to get done. And then they did it in every episode. Even the one where... I would say not a ton happens, but it's the grieving episode, but it's like you you need that. And it does give you that weird loath wolf thing that kind of sends Ezra on their next mission. But uh, I think season four is really, really great. I don't know that it's my favorite season of the bunch, but I'm impressed with how well it was written and laid out. Yeah, I, I think overall my favorite season is three. This season has some really great episodes, and I think the way it ends is is good. Like, I like how they kind of wrap it up and bring it all back to Lethal. Mm-hmm. And, like, that journey for Ezra to come back home and to, like, be there to help save his home planet is, like, a really nice way to wrap up the story because of how similar it was from the beginning. Yeah, and, and wrapping things up, that feels like a good way to describe this season. It reminds me a lot of Avatar The Last Airbender and how it builds toward an ending, which makes sense because Dave worked on that too. But a bunch of our recurring heroes come back to help the fight. We also get to see a bunch of recurring villains just to have them killed off. (laughs) So it's like we get to catch up with everyone a little bit 
and yeah, go back to where it all started, go back to the Jedi Temple and do some really wild stuff there. Uh, the way that they revisited things I thought was just great. Yeah, Dave Filoni gets to explore some really wacky Force stuff in this season, <laughs> which I think I bet was very fun for him. Yeah. Well, let's go through the season a bit. I do want to talk about Heroes of Mandalore. That's the two-parter at the start that you don't love, and that's okay. But I, I wanted to talk about how it's wild how many implications those episodes wound up having now that we've seen the Mandalorian mm -hmm. and the Book of Boba Fett and stuff with the Darksaber and Bo-Katan stuff about the the purge of Mandalore yeah which it's that's upsetting to know that those episodes end on like a really hopeful note where Bo-Katan's rallying all the Mandalorians to fight against the Empire mm -hmm. and then credits roll and I'm like and they all died <laughs> exactly I, I think that now knowing what happens in The Mandalorian through season three, I think that might be why rewatching these episodes about the Mandal the Mandalorian arc um, in season four of Rebels, I think that's why they don't hit very well for me mm. now because I know that Gideon ends up being the one to crush the Darksaber and it ends up mean meaning nothing. And like Bo-Katan's journey kind of just like fizzles out in the show so like it is hard to revisit these episodes knowing what we know now yeah it, it's harder to see that as like this big heroic moment which it is but knowing that it's like oh this is just heading towards tragedy <laughs> and just all i could think of was that shot from the book of boba fett with the explosions and the kx droids and just like mandalorian helmets littered everywhere i was like oh that's rough yeah <laughs> I still like those episodes. I still think they're really fun and exciting and they give some good closure for Sabine. It's a good reintroduction for Bo-Katan. Like, I remember being so excited when she popped up in uh, that first episode when we were there at Celebration. Mm -hmm. Being so psyched Bo-Katan was back. But. Yeah. We get to see the weapon, too, which is like a huge... Yeah, the Duchess. ...part of it and like the, the main connection to Sabine and just like... Thinking about how dark that is, the way that they're using the weapon mm -hmm. and how they can like turn it in different ways and make it target different things. It's it was really like scary and dark to watch that and really think about the the repercussions of something like that. And then in the end, getting to see Sabine, you know, make that decision to destroy it was was important for her story. Not only that but also it shows some growth for Bo-Katan because I think Bo-Katan of the Clone Wars probably would have been like, yeah, turn it up to 11. Let's fry <laughs> these Imperials. But yeah. she's the one that's like, we can't be like them. Uh, it's like just showing that, you know, she learned some things from Ahsoka or other people or whoever uh, during her brief time as leader. It's like, and we still don't have that full story. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, so there's like still more to learn about Mandalore. Um, I will say that there's one thing that I didn't really like about those two episodes is the false cliffhanger of Sabine losing her mother and brother. And then the very next episode, they're just like, just kidding. We were behind that rock. That, that was like super dark too. Yeah. Where even in my rewatch, I was like trying to remember what happened. And I for a minute, I was like, did they just, are they gone? 
Is that how they die? That's that's really bad. And then yeah, the, they're like just kidding. We're we're fine. Everybody else died. Yeah. And I remember. I think we thought they were dead for months, or we were debating like, did they really do that? Because we saw the episode early, and then when they aired the two part premiere, it was like, nope, <laughs> J.K. <laughs> it was like, okay, this is just just a very Star Wars thing. It's a kids show. It's an animated show. I get it, but maybe sitting with that cliffhanger for so long mm-hmm. <laughs> made me just kind of grumpy about it when we finally got the answer. Sure. The next episodes I wanted to talk about was the next two-parter. A lot of two-parters mm-hmm. in this season, which I kind of like. Uh, this was In the Name of the Rebellion, the one with Sagarera, where Ezra is again struggling with you know the right way to fight. That lesson Yoda tried to tell him. And they even bring that up in this episode of it's not about winning. It's about how you choose to win. Mm-hmm. But I really, really love the line Saw has when he's talking to Mon Mothma. And I wrote it down. I hope, Senator, after you've lost and the Empire reigns over the galaxy unopposed, you will find some comfort in the knowledge that you fought according to the rules. And I just really like that line where I think that Saw breaks too many rules. <laughs> he He goes way too far in that direction, but the struggle the morality of (laughs) what rules do we break as Mm -hmm. rebels and what lines are you not willing to cross yeah it's not for saw like it shouldn't be about whether you're following the rules or not it's just like he he fights in a way that isn't smart or helpful for anyone and it's like it's getting stuff done and you know like ezra in some episodes sees how saw goes about this fight and he's like that's what we should be doing yeah i mean he, I, he says that line he's like well if he gets results yeah but at what cost exactly i think that's what mon mothma says in response <laughs> yeah and he's just not being smart enough smart about the fight and that he's just like blinded by getting results mm-hmm. at, and, and at any means necessary and ezra finally learned not finally he's only had one other interaction with saw but over the course of that adventure with him he sees that saw is willing to betray him and sabine he's willing to sacrifice innocent civilians who would join the cause who want to join the cause and would help them learn about the death star which they're they're still in the dark about obviously but Mm -hmm. there are all these people who are worth saving and saw has no interest in it because he just wants to cause pain i do wish saw had talked more to sabine about a lot of stuff because i felt like he was directing a lot of stuff to ezra mm. about like trying to convince him that his way is better but i'm shocked that saw didn't talk to sabine more just because of her background as a mandalorian and her you know knowledge and appreciation of technology but again like after her just destroying that weapon that would probably backfire but i'm just like wondering why he didn't try to convince her to because of her like mandalorian background i think that's a good point you know just her being a warrior coming from a warrior based people i i think that he would have tried to latch onto that uh i i agree that he didn't really talk to both of them when i i think it's interesting that it the two of them are on the same page when saw rescues them and they're kind of like, they want to fight with Saw. And they're the young ones. They're the ones that need to learn that lesson mm-hmm. about uh, not going as far as Saw does. 
So Sabine was showing some enthusiasm too, and she didn't get quite the attention and the arc that Ezra did. Yeah. Uh, but still, the lesson was learned. <laughs> right. And I love how those two episodes end with like when they get reunited with the ghost crew and they're like, we can't take you anywhere. Yeah. LOL. You know, <laughs> and like Sabine's just like uh, embarrassed and Ezra's like, well, sorry. <laughs> so you can often see that she is two years older than he is. I, I, I think she is uh, around that age, but mm-hmm. <laughs> he's catching up in maturity a little bit <laughs> by yeah. the fourth season. Oh, yeah. Um, so the, the next batch of episodes uh, I wanted to just come kind of lump together and they're, they're really focusing on the tie defender and taking those factories down and i just really appreciated this time around i mean you know i love the tie defender as like the ship nerd side of things but it hit me more how their focus on getting those factories destroyed and also of course thrawn being removed uh they do a good job of showing that the heroes the ghost crew they actually really, really helped the Rebel Alliance by making sure the TIE Defender wasn't around and making sure Grand Admiral Thrawn wasn't around. Yeah. Just makes the series feel very impactful on the rest of the Star Wars universe. It's storming, so the animals are are not having a good time, and Pippin is scared. This is the most chill he's ever been on camera. Oh, you're immediately going to (laughs) move? You mentioned nerding out about the ship, the TIE Defender, and I did have fun seeing Sabine nerd out about the TIE Defender when she gets in one for the first time, and she's like, this has a Nava computer. Like, it, it was just so cute for her to get excited for that in, in the midst of such chaos. <laughs> yeah, that that whole mission to steal the TIE Defender while Thrawn is there, uh, and then they bring back the Season 3 thing with the TIE Fighter Wings popping off mm. <laughs> which is is all inspired by the old toys where the wings could do that off the tie fighter so just seeing all that come back was really fun yeah um that episode also introduces the loath wolves into the mix oh yeah those start to just come out of nowhere i do like i i was reading some stuff about the loath wolves and just old episode reviews and and synopsis and stuff and i i like the way that when they go when they go back to Lothal and the TIE Defender factory is there and the Empire is just kind of like taken over Lothal, it's interesting that that's when the Loth Wolves come out. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like Lothal is hurting and to balance that, the Loth Wolves come and like help, try to help. Oh, yeah. And try to get Ezra's attention and is like, hello. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I oh, man, when we go back to Lothal and we see it, we hadn't seen it nearly as much in season three, but we see that like the sky is on fire and it's covered in pollution and everything is out of balance. And I mean, I absolutely think you're right that that's when the Loth Wolves, when nature comes back and it's like, we're going to set things right. Mm. And I mean, I think nature has done that over the course of Earth's history of just like things are going to cause things to go out of balance and nature will fight back. It's not just going right. to let it happen. And, and I think the loath wolves are a manifestation of that. It's not just the loath wolves. The the loath cats come in and You're cause right. chaos too. Those two st- stormtroopers that make it their mission to like find those loath cats that 
were messing with them is hilarious. Yeah, like Ezra, I think, is going to use the Force to connect with them and cause a distraction. And then they just do it themselves. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, all of nature is fighting back against the Empire. Uh, And the Lothwolves are such a cool thing where it's like people haven't seen them in 100 years. We thought they were extinct. They help the rebels out of several jams. And of course, at the end, like Ezra summons them they they just appear mm-hmm. we got to talk about the loath wolves more because they do just appear in that cave and uh tear the stormtroopers apart mm-hmm. and I, I i love that scene it's interesting that for kanan when he needs guidance the force kind of offers up the bendu to mm. him and when ezra needs help and guidance he gets these creatures, which because, like he has this connection with creatures, so that makes sense. Yeah. And it's this connection with his planet, and it's not just the loath wolf, but it's also the white loath cat that we've seen throughout the series. Yeah, that comes back, and it's even like perched on the white loath wolf, mm-hmm. and they're they're obviously connected with the force because they can teleport through the world between worlds, or by accessing hyperspace or something. Yeah, they're just very mystical, and there's we'll never understand how or why they can do what they do. Do you think Dave Filoni just thinks all wolves can do that? He, <laughs> he loves wolves so much that he's like, I'm just going to make the coolest creatures ever, and they can teleport, and they can... That scene where they're riding on the wolves' backs, and then they just get lower and lower into the grass until mm-hmm. they just disappear. I'm like, so cool. Well, you could easily argue uh that like oh this is lazy they just needed a way to get from point a to point b blah 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 but like people forget that star wars and the force gets really weird and like mystical a lot and you know we need to be able to go there and and witness that happen every so often so i love that he included the the way that they can almost teleport uh it's, it's just really cool. And I love seeing things that our characters don't know about, where they're like, what the hell was that? Mm-hmm. And they're like, I don't know. How did that work? I don't know. Yeah, and they all kind of have different reactions to the Loath Wolves. And I, I like that Zeb is kind of like, well, these, these giant fluffy things are bigger than me, and I don't like it. Uh, one of my favorite moments from rewatching this was you going, wait, how does Chopper go with them? And immediately the the wolf just grabs him in his jaws and runs away. Yeah, I was like, wait, they bring Chopper too, right? And yeah, he's just like, Chomp, you're coming with me. Yeah, the Loath Wolves are wild. And there's something about them maybe accessing hyperspace, which even hyperspace is something that despite being in Star Wars from the beginning, we still don't fully know about. It might be connected with the Force the same way the Pergola are, like, that's already this unexplained thing that the wolves can also maybe tap into it's it's crazy and i'll I'll save the rest of that talk for like the world between worlds and things like that but uh i wanted to bring up also another character that is introduced around that time and that's uh rook i can't rook i can't say it the same way thrawn does i don't know how he says it i can't remember i remember i think this was at that panel too dave filoni talking about uh, how great Lars Mikkelsen is at saying that name. Yeah. And he's like, I don't No one else can do it. <laughs> Ruch. 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 My agent, 
Roch will arrive shortly. Lars, you're great. Uh, <laughs> so let's talk about him. Mm. I was excited when they announced that for season four, just alongside uh, the excitement for Thrawn. They're like, hey, why don't we also bring in his bodyguard from the old Legends books? He was so OP. He really was. I was like, really? That dude just will not die. Doesn't quit. Yeah, he's very uh, very loyal to Thrawn. And I want to know if his backstory is consistent with Legends or like what's going on there. And there was a little bit more with him in Thrawn Alliances, I think, that book. Mm. Um, and then he got left behind in Thrawn Treason because he's doing everything in season four. But there are so many points where I'm like, that dude should have died. <laughs> but yeah. he's just like nimbly bimbly flying around. <laughs> I mean, to the point where some of his fights with with like Ezra, it's comedic how he gets away with some stuff. And you're just like, okay, we get it. When is he going to die? Like, what? he needs to go. He, he survives a fight with Ezra. There's a fight with multiple fights with Zeb. Uh, and to be fair, one of them is because Sabine stopped him from going too far. But then he survives the wolves. He survives like Hera coming in to save the day. Uh, then he attacks Wolf and Mart Matten and all these people. Then he gets all the way to the Imperial. Like there's this one point where I was just like, "Will this dude please die?" Mm -hmm. Just he's he's been nothing but trouble. And I think that's what pushes Zeb to to be like, you know what? If I die trying to make this happen, then so be it. I am going to do something drastic. That was a fun moment where Gregor says something like that. It's like, someone needs to do something drastic. And Zeb just goes charging in. He Leroy Jenkins. <laughs> Jenkins is the moment. And uh -huh. Callus, says, Callus is like, Zeb, wait. Yeah. Love that he shows some concern there. Yeah. Uh, but I, the way Rook goes out is pretty rad. <laughs> like <laughs> Pretty rad. The way Zeb catches him in the power generator coils yeah. as they're lighting up and he well he gets stuck down there yeah yeah finally i'm wondering <laughs> now that we know about thrawn coming into live action and this story continuing i'm like if they are i huh, i don't want to talk about spoilers from a book that came out in 1991 but like there are important story elements involving Th uh, rook and thrawn and i'm like i wonder if he regrets killing Rook now. Mm -hmm. I I think he served his purpose and like they just needed someone that was loyal to Thrawn because we had, you know, Thrawn, the Empire, Price, but we needed someone really good at what mm -hmm. they do, really good at fighting and, and being an assassin and someone very loyal to Thrawn. It is kind of weird that they didn't go into why He's loyal to Thrawn. He just shows up and we're just like, oh, okay. It, you know, people that don't know the yeah. story from Legends, you just assume that he's just like this badass assassin that Thrawn must be paying very well. <laughs> it is an odd thing for people who hadn't read the books. Like, I'm all in where I'm like, yeah, that's Thrawn's bodyguard. But uh, he just shows up and all the stormtroopers are calling him sir and stuff. It's like, where does he fall in the Imperial hierarchy? How... <laughs> How many Imperials know about him? Where's he been all this time? What's he been doing Right. before he gets called into action? I need to look up back into Thrawn Alliances because I think they talk about that a bit. But uh, it was a fun inclusion. I'm glad they did it. It's nice to see Thrawn 
need to call in someone like him Mm -hmm. because he's struggling and he's like, all right, I'm going to call in the big guns. Well, it's interesting. They they kind of do with Thrawn what they had to do with Vader, where let's they didn't invent the Inquisitorious for Star Wars Rebels, but it really rose to prominence because of that show where it's like we can't have Vader hunting Kanan and Ezra every episode and they keep getting away. So we'll do the Grand Inquisitor and then in season two, Vader's there, but barely. And it's mm-hmm. more about the other Inquisitors. Vader had they had to save Vader for like their really big scary moments. And I think when we get to season four, they kind of do that with Thrawn, where yeah. they keep having reasons for him to not be around, and so he just has to go defend the Tie Defender project mm-hmm. uh, against Project Stardust. So I'll leave. Rook will be here, which he was a competent villain, but it it takes him out of action so that Price can really mess things up. I mean, being a Grand Admiral in the Empire... He's a busy man. He, you don't get to that status without being able to delegate. So it makes sense that he's he's like up in the ranks, mm-hmm. and so he, he's not going to be out on the front lines fighting everybody with fisticuffs. So I'm curious to see if we get more Nogri in the Ahsoka series and beyond. And then you made the joke, like, it could be Rook. We could get Rook with two U's. (laughs) There's a million of them. (laughs) Or or it's his brother or something. Mm -hmm. Or Rook could become a Nogri title. I don't know. Where's Brooke? Brooke. (laughs) (laughs) Rook's... I like Brooke. Cooler older sister. (laughs) (laughs) Rook, get out of my room. (laughs) She's the real ruthless one. Yeah, she's way worse. She she doesn't like hurt you physically, but emotionally, mm-hmm. she will ruin you. Yeah. So yeah, we mentioned Price bungling things while Thrawn is gone, and that would be uh, the capture of Hera and then letting her escape, letting her be rescued by Kanan in a great episode. Mm. But you, you want to talk about this because you had thoughts already and I, I made you wait. <laughs> I mean, this this episode was really good. You get to see uh, after Hera crashes and like how dangerous it is for her. Um, and when she gets captured, she gets the, the, the truth serum mm-hmm. or whatever the, is in the, the interrogation droid that Leia got was... Or was, the mind probe or whatever you want to call it. But she was strong. She's drugged. She, yeah, she's drugged. She gets the truth serum. And like it bugs me that it took Hera getting drugged for her to open up to Kanan about their relationship. And it's really frustrating that all this time we just refer to them as like, oh, it's our space parents. Mm-hmm. But then we find out that they haven't really gone so far as to like admit their love for each other and just just the fact that it takes her being drugged is frustrating and they they shove it all into this one episode where it's like they they had a kiss in an earlier episode and like now they're finally like admitting to each other the way that they feel and the fact that they need to do more for each other and their relationship and for what (laughs) and for what i mean I think it's definitely Hera that was holding back. Kanan throughout the season is trying to push her to be like, what What do you think of us? And I assume 
up until this point. They have been buddies of an adult nature. Like they have had a a relationship mm-hmm. this whole time. I totally forgot how much they call each other like dear and love in season one. And then we don't really hear that throughout seasons two or three. Um, but yeah, Hera's just been so focused on like the mission yeah. and the rebellion and the fight. It's so sad. Cause yeah, we, we see Kanan multiple times throughout the show express, you know, I've been through one more. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do another one. You know, he, he's like ready to settle down and maybe even start a family, you know, and, and she is moving up further and further in the ranks of the rebellion and the stakes for her keep getting higher and higher and like she's just getting pulled into it more and more. It's like it's so frustrating and heartbreaking to see play out. Yeah, it, that Kanan's mindset at the beginning of season two where he's like, I don't want to be part of the rebellion. Uh, I think that's one end of the spectrum. And then Hera is on the other side of saying like the fight is all that's important and like all things in Star Wars, you need to find that balance. And I feel like they found that balance finally in, for like 10 minutes where they're just... Because Hera gets drugged. Yeah, where they're just on fire. They're on the same page. They're so cute together. Yeah. Uh, it's it's fun seeing just the two of them on this little adventure on the glider and everything. Oh, the gliders were so perfect because there's, there's so many times in Star Wars where low tech beats high tech. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you know what? You see those bats? We could just like be like those bats and just kind of fly in under the radar, literally. And then we hear two stormtroopers talking about how much they hate those bats. And I'm like, are those the same dudes that were after the Loath Cats? I really hope so. <laughs> they're uh, yeah, on the to gliders something. are great. Yeah. But it is it is really heartbreaking that they had just those few minutes to be like perfectly fun. Yeah. And it and it just like makes your heart grow like the Grinch's heart grow. Like it, my heart just exploded in that episode out of love and then it is broken in the next it's episode. It's completely deflated. It's completely Someone deflated. Your heart and went <laughs> <laughs> it's it just makes Kanan's death that much more awful and heartbreaking to see. It's so wild that we, I remember they released the episode titles before they had come out. And I feel like as a Star Wars Rebels fandom, uh, people were saying like, Kanan's going to die in this, isn't he? Especially with all the loath wolves. Like it just, it felt like a secret they were not trying to keep. Yeah, it was pretty obvious he, but he he has this vision through the wolves he 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 cuts his hair i like his haircut he's got a nice well Hera hates it hot little hot little haircut <laughs> i know Hera hates it but that was the truth serum talking yeah. she'll grow into it <laughs> she would have mm. uh but yeah the the i don't know sense of dread throughout that episode was very effective like i kind of wonder if they wanted people to know what was going to happen and then still they're doing well in their escape and you feel like maybe they'll make it maybe maybe we were wrong about this and it's still you had that hope uh but then that atat foot noise Mm. comes in (gasps) i just had a thought it's very (laughs) end of season five Buffy Mm. 
Yeah. Heartbreaking. Oh, upsetting. Okay. Yeah. I won't get into spoilers because okay. it's a p- pretty big moment for the show, but you're just like, we could avoid this. Yeah. Writers. <laughs> Why did you do this? I'm going to shake you all. But that the moment of Kanan's death is one of my favorite Star Wars moments, I think. just it's so it's so effective. It makes me get weepy or like I get chills uh, thinking about it. I'm working on a lot of stuff in the lead up to Ahsoka, and I've had to write about Kanan's death several times, <laughs> just summarizing character backstories. and I'm like, it it makes me sad every time, but also like, defiant and hell yeah for him as he's holding back all the fire like it's a it's a great moment he deserved better all he wanted to do was relax and settle down and have a life all he wanted to do was relax (laughs) he he went from one word to to another Mm -hmm. not wanting to but he always wanted to protect his family and be with Hera and now he can't and and protect Hera (laughs) and he did I I understand that like it was poignant and meaningful and he knew what he had to do blah 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 I just don't accept that (laughs) it's very hard for me it's very upsetting I can move on but that's the point they they wanted you to feel sad (laughs) yeah it hurts but then we have to all revisit revisit that. You know, you should check out oh. the High Republic because story or er, situations like what happened to Kanan happen a lot in the High Republic, several times. So I feel like after High Republic, uh, reading some of those stories, I'm kind of used to it now. I don't think you're used to it. <laughs> and put that picture of you with the pillow up again. <laughs> I'm just. I'm used to it. I'm fine. I'm Writers, fine. do your worst. Hurt me more. <laughs> no. You can't do it. <laughs> I dare you, Kevin Scott. <laughs> oh, I can't handle it. Uh, well, we have to revisit Kanan's death a bit because we get we into the world between did. worlds. I know. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, Ezra has to yeah, revisit yeah, yeah. it. We we get through the grieving. Uh, we go to the Jedi Temple where the Empire is excavating. We see all the Mortis stuff. And that, like, again, even though one of my favorite episodes of the series is The World Between Worlds, they do such a good job of building up to it. You spend a whole episode being like, what is going on? Mm-hmm. And then you get there and you're like, what is going on? Right. And I, oh, I loved it so much. Yeah. Seeing the Empire have that big lab station built around the, the Lothal Temple, just it makes you so mad. Mm-hmm. You're like... You shouldn't be here. You're just messing everything up. Like, ugh, it's it's so upsetting. And like, it's like that fern gully. It gave that, me a fern gully moment. <laughs> yeah, and that rallies Hera into being like, yeah, let's do this for Kanan. Mm-hmm. And that I I had totally forgotten about that moment where she kind of senses him. It, I don't think it's a force ghost. I think she was sensing his presence. Yeah, the and, way like, that they was lingering. The way that they each grieve her her grief for Kanan is it's a little like not stagnant but she just kind of goes catatonic for a bit which is understandable when she's alone she lets it out and she's really upset at herself like why did I wait so long to tell him I loved him which I should point out I meant to say this earlier she does tell Kanan she loves him without the drugs she does they they made sure to have her say this is all me so that's good at least yeah 
But uh, now we're jumping backwards a little bit. But seeing <laughs> Chopper hold her hand. No. And seeing, seeing Zeb hug Ezra. Chopper like, holding her hand killed me. Yeah. It's so rough. And, and I, I was surprised at how impacted I was from Zeb and Ezra because, mm. you know, they're the ones that are constantly bickering and fighting. Yeah. And, and, and like Sabine, you know, Hera was... I don't know if it was she was like a mother or more like a sister to Sabine, but they had bonded on a very special level too. Ugh. Just tragic all around. Yeah. So Sucks. that's all right. Let's get back to the world between worlds. Okay. What did you think of that? Loved it. Me too. <laughs> I love that. And again, going back to Ezra being from Lothal, becoming this Jedi, being connected to the Force in a in like a very specific way on Lothal with the creatures and everything. I like that he was able to get into the portal and get and get there. I feel like that connection that he has to Lothal, to the Lothwolves and all that, like that's why he was able to do that. And it's cool that he did it with Sabine's help. Yeah, she's like Sab understanding the art side of things and he is understanding the force side of things. Yeah, Sabine kind of like, notices some things about the painting i'm shocked she didn't notice the convoy earlier because she has it painted on her her shoulder thing um but she notices that she notices the, the mostly about their hands and the way they're all positioned yeah because they have that tablet piece that the loath wolves just kind of like gave them they were like here's a hint which then we see in andor also which is cool yeah same tablet but once Ezra gets in like that I think I'll always remember that first moment of just seeing the portal hearing voices from all throughout Star Wars Ooh. all eras of Star Wars that was so satisfying and Ezra looking around being like what is this place while we the audience are doing the exact same thing like I love that location and getting to see the changes in animation to where he he it's like he's walking into a 2D painting almost, mm, and yeah. then it kind of like changes perspective. It's it's so smart in how they did that. So this is where we see what happens to Ahsoka. Uh, he finds the portal to Malachor and is able to save her, uh, which uh, I guess we should talk about the world between worlds and how it works, because I think oh, that boy. moment... I, I'll try to keep it brief. <laughs> I think that moment has made people think that you can go change events that have already happened. But Ezra does not change anything from the way I understand it. Ahsoka was never killed by Darth Vader. She was always rescued by Ezra. So we just e didn't see it. We just happen. didn't see it. Like those temple doors close in Twilight of the Apprentice and Ezra and Kanan leave. But also... Ezra's arm is on the other side of those temple doors now. Yeah. Uh, so Ezra's like in two places at once, or at least his arm is. I would have appreciated just a little hint of like being able to go back to that episode and just see Vader coming out of there scratching his head. Like, what just happened? Uh huh. I don't know. I think <laughs> I think we've talked about this before, but when it when Obi Wan disappears in Episode Four, he's got to be like. Not again. Yeah. What keeps happening? He takes his foot and he's like pre like stomping around on Obi-Wan's robes like, you're kidding me. Yeah. Again. This, this is BS. <laughs> <laughs> I am so upset. 
but yeah, Ezra saves Ahsoka. I remember screaming at that part uh, just to have her in this realm also. Mm-hmm. Um, Which makes sense. Like you're, at first you're surprised by it. You're like, oh, we're going back to this. And then you're like, wait, Ahsoka has this connection with the daughter. Mm-hmm. This makes sense. Yeah. And her talking about Morai, like the convoy is in there. Uh, and she kind of talks about Morai and her relationship with the daughter. But then Ezra starts to fall into that trap. He thinks what some Star Wars fans think, that you can go back and change what's mm-hmm. happened, which I I just don't think is true. But he gets tempted by it when he goes to find Kanan at his death. Mm-hmm. And I really love the way that I think they communicate that that's all a trap because it's it's very covered up with Sith iconography. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit altered, but it's Palpatine trying to lure Ezra to break that whatever, that veil, mm-hmm. and then he would get him. Yeah. So then he could get into the world between worlds. Yeah, and it's it's nice that Ahsoka is there because otherwise, you know, he might have just might have done it, tried to do it, and Ahsoka's there to pull him back and say like, no. You can't change what has what Kanan's already sacrificed himself to, to do. He sacrificed himself. He died so that you guys could live. If he went back through there and changed that, like it would just cause chaos. Yeah. I mean, like, if you save Kanan in that moment, you will die. And right. so will Hera and Sabine and everything that Kanan fought for. Right. And it's very similar to what Yoda tries to teach Luke about if you honor what they're fighting for, you will let them go. Uh, so Ahsoka's there to also kind of talk to herself, which it's so trippy that she was just with Vader, who she kind of just for sure learned was Anakin. And mm. she's like, neither of us can save our masters. Like, yeah. Because she just tried. She was like, I won't leave you this time. And he's like, well, then I'll kill you. <laughs> <laughs> Jerk. So it's it's so cool that they're going through the same emotional journey at that point in time. Yeah. Despite like having been apart for two years, except to Ahsoka. Ahsoka's gotta be dealing with a lot in that moment. <laughs> like I can't imagine. You would you cut your hair and grow like a foot? <laughs> yeah. and I mean, Ahsoka's been through Mortis the Mortis arc from Clone Wars. So she does have a little bit more of a grasp on things like that but still it's true she's probably like ah this isn't the weirdest place i've been yeah and i i do love um palpatine's like blue flame Uh powers that start to come through the portal and it just kind of like chases them which is another to me sign that there was never any hope of ezra saving kanan it was all a trap because like palpatine is on the other side of that specific portal he is tempting ezra Mm mm-hmm uh, which he does again in the finale. With but, his parents. Yeah. yeah. But that's, yeah, they, they get over their losses and they go back to their times. And as they're leaving, Ezra says, when you get back, find me. And Ezra, or Ahsoka says, mm-hmm. I promise. And then I'm like, oh God. Come and find me. I will. I promise. She has no idea what that promise means Cut right to now. Yeah. the Ahsoka show coming yeah. soon. Yeah. She shows up on Lothal and she's like, I told Ezra I'd find him. And Sabine's like, okay, well, 
we got to pack some bags. I mean, Sabine makes a similar uh, promise to that Ezra. That one's more vague. Doesn't like, she? Ezra keeps saying, I guess we can just jump to the finale now. Yeah. Uh, in the lead up to the finale, as they're going to liberate Lothal, Ezra just says some cryptic stuff like, I know I can always count on you. And then he repeats it again at the end with his hologram. And Sabine's like, yeah, count on me. But count on me for what? Mm. And then at the during the epilogue, she says she thought it meant to protect Lothal, but now she knows it means to go find him. Mm-hmm. Which I'm like, it's been 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> and you just figured it out. And Ezra's going to be like, where were you? But yeah. I'm sure he'll not be mad about it. I mean, I can't wait to see how as uh, how Ahsoka and Sabine are dealing with just life in general. Because, yeah, it's been nine, ten years, mm-hmm. and they're still racking their brains. Like, what did Ezra mean? Like, Ahsoka's like, I promised I would come find him. Sabine's like, what did he want to count on me to do? That's so hard to just lead them with that and, and no other options or hints or anything like i do want to talk about some like future stuff with ahsoka but before that is there anything specific about the finale that you wanted to bring up Mm, i just like that everyone has their own very brave uh moments and like thrawn well okay price is like hilariously bad and is willing to just blow up yeah go down for the fight um she sucks (laughs) and uh thrawn is hilariously evil where he's like i'll kill everybody on this planet and then when they all figure out that they're just like trapped there with the rest of the empire who are now safe it's just like Thrawn's just kind of like laughing like he he thinks that he's winning no matter what and he has no idea what's coming. Space whales, what? Yeah. Uh yeah, I I've seen people try to defend Thrawn's actions before by saying like oh, he was just targeting like non-inhabited areas when he was bombarding the planet. It's like no, he you can see people running from explosions. Mm-hmm. Like he was just lighting up the planet. He doesn't the care. The dude is not, yeah. The dude is not that complicated. <laughs> he has motivations that are understandable, but he has gone too far. Like that's, we talked about that in season three enough, yeah. I think, that Thrawn's a villain, and I think he will continue to be a villain. Uh, even if he has cool motivations, still a bad guy. But the the Pergil thing, that was an exciting moment that I just never would have seen coming from the first watch through Mm. that we talked about that enough in season two i think but the whole idea of that we all thought it was filler back then but it was an instrumental episode that like if you skipped that one you'd be like what is going on with all these whales (laughs) what are these whales do where'd they come from what can they do to help (laughs) But yeah, the oh, and along with all that, there's the mention of Captain Peleon, mm. which is now coming back again. That yeah. was that was an exciting little tease way back when, and now we've seen the man in the flesh. I can't remember. Kind I, of. I remember Mart Matten's character was saying 
that Ezra told gave him like a special mission. What was what was his special mission? To go get the pergil. Like he he flies out and set some frequency out to okay. basically attract the pergil and lead them to Lothal. Okay. They I, I couldn't remember if, if they were the ones to do that. Yes. Uh, at Ezra's instructions, basically saying like, things aren't going to go great. I guess Ezra had a vision of the future and he was like, this is what needs to be done. Um, I really like that Hera tries to stop him and then mm -hmm. Sabine helps and Chopper. Sabine and Chopper help him leave. Yeah, because they know after losing Kanan, Hera is not going to allow Ezra to do anything even mildly stupid to the point where she thinks she might lose him too. Yeah. Uh and that's that that is a very like heartfelt moment for everyone and like it makes you it gives you this like sense of of dread and you're just like, "Oh no, what's about to happen now? Like we just lost Kanan. What is Ezra doing?" But yeah, seeing Sabine and Chopper be the ones to like help him go do whatever he needed to do, it makes sense and I think it it needed to happen that way because of Hera going through so much pain and trauma. Yeah. And she would he never escapes. Had le have let him go. He escapes through the vents, which is like a Classic running Ezra. joke. Yeah. Uh, so then he gets up to the Star Destroyer and he gets one more test where he gets to, he's tempted with a vision of his parents, which again, I think is all BS. I think it was something Palpatine was doing and showing him mm -hmm. to trick him into accessing the world between worlds oh that the palpatine hologram like switching glitching between palpatine and sidious that was so cool and like gave me chills yeah it's really neat that and i know feloni loves tolkien and i think about this a lot but a servant of the enemy appearing fair but feeling foul and that's very much what he's doing of like, look at me. I'm the nice guy, Palpatine. Yeah. <laughs> but then Ezra's he, like, uh, no. When he gets mad, it goes back to the hooded, obviously evil man. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think we all know how it ends. Space whales take Thrawn and Ezra away. That quote from the Bindu. Yeah. Like, oh, like, yeah. What I did is want it? to talk about that. I see your defeat like many arms surrounding you in a cold embrace, something like that, Ooh, which you're like- More chills. Nice. They've fulfilled the prophecy, which is always fun. It's cold because it's in space, <laughs> many arms, the pergil- uh, Little pergil hug. Tentacle, yeah. I'm curious to see if they find a way to bring it back for when Thrawn is defeated for good in the movie or the future seasons of Ahsoka or whatever, if they find a way to again, have many arms surround him in a cold embrace metaphorically, whatever, I think that would be a cool touch. I don't know. I feel like the Bindu saying that that's how he saw Thrawn's end. And then knowing that Thrawn and Ezra are just gone for so long I like the idea that the Bindu couldn't see past what Ezra does. Yeah. And that's kind of interesting, too. And he just knows that end for, yeah. for Thrawn. I see one of your defeats. <laughs> yeah. And like, so, like no one knows where they went. No one knows where the Purgle took, took them. So like that adds another element of mysticism to the Purgle where yeah. the Bindu's like, this is how you die. And it's not. It's just the Purgle took him... Yeah 
somewhere where the Bindu couldn't even see. Well, he did not say this is how you die. So that's there's plenty of room for him to be like, I see your defeat. And he meant that specific one. This but, one defeat. You'll yeah. Don't worry, you'll get more defeats. Yeah. When I see you again, I'll tell you about your next one. <laughs> you get a punch card of prophecies. Mm. Uh, I guess the only thing we really have left to talk about is the epilogue, which will lead us directly into Ahsoka talk. Um, let's mention Hera, Chopper, and Jason Sindula. What do you think? It, you said right before we recorded, you were like, I don't know if I like Jason Sindula. I just... It's okay. There are elements that I do like, which are Hera getting the chance to be an actual mother uh, instead of just space mom and like having Kanan's legacy live on through Jason. But like it, I, I can't help but think when did they have time to make this happen? I don't know. That that just like makes things so much more complicated for I, Hera. From what we have seen surrounding Jason after the fact, like I'm sure she's a great, great mom, but it's interesting. I think this is because of behind the scenes things more than anything else, but we have had several Hera stories, whether it's Alphabet Squadron or Star Wars Squadrons, and everyone's like, where's Jason? And she will vaguely talk about him. I think that's probably because we or uh the creators dave filoni knew that jason syndulla was going to be in whether it was the the animated star wars rebels spinoff that was rumored or ahsoka he was like i'm going to do something with jason syndulla mm -hmm. so everyone else just leave him alone mm -hmm. but it did become like this running joke of where's jason Hera? what did you just drop him off at daycare what's going on yeah um I like that there is a legacy for Kanan. It it does just raise questions of, yeah, when did they do this? It's like, <laughs> does Dave Filoni know how babies are made? Or <laughs> And again, like that's, I feel silly for like worrying about that and even letting that annoy me because it's Star Wars. They're not going to like go into detail about like when he was conceived, blah, blah, blah. Like he's just there. He's just there. And that's what they, they are. <laughs> Uh, they're in a relationship of an adult nature. Uh, what are, they're buddies of an adult nature. That, yeah. So and like everything works different in Star Wars. Everything that they need to work different does work different. So <laughs> we may never get those questions answered, and that's fine. I think it works how we think it works, but we just didn't see it and don't have to. We don't know anything about Jason, so I'm trying not to let his existence bother me too much, <laughs> especially since he might be in Ahsoka. I think he will be. I mean, based on trailers even, uh, but also like the Lego thing, I think he's going to be in it. And I think once we, it, it does feel like this weird little tag at the end of Rebels, just be like, and Hera had a kid. And you're like, oh, okay. Uh, getting to know him, I think will put things in perspective. Oh yeah. I, I have no doubt that once we get to meet him and figure out more about him, how, how he has been not how he's been living but like what he I mean, what yeah, he's what, been, what, ha, what has he been up to what he's been doing how Hera is attached to him and like seeing their dynamic as father son will be great yes but just getting him at the end of this show at the end of rebels i was like okay it it just feels like one of those and i think a lot of these epilogues are dave filoni 
not knowing if this story is ever i keep saying dave filoni there were other writers involved in this series and i want to <laughs> the, the entire writing team i think that they wanted to point out just here's how we see these characters lives going because we don't know if we're ever going to see more of them so i think they wanted to just give us a tease of a lot of things and now we're going to actually get to see how stuff like that went down which is why i think there are already some differences between what we were shown in that epilogue and what we're seeing from ahsoka trailers Mm -hmm. i wonder if uh when they do inevitably rescue ezra i wonder if jason's gonna be like oh great mom's first son is back oh, now yeah. so she doesn't care about me anymore i mean that'd be some an interesting dynamic yeah um but i, I before we get to sabine and ahsoka which is like the main epilogue p- plot point to talk about uh we have zeb and Callus who go back to lirasan and like he zeb is trying to surprise Callus, and it, it's a little weird. Again, this is like when Star Wars and actual real world morality don't always line up. But it's like this really happy moment of Zeb covering up Callus's eyes and then being like, surprise, you didn't commit genocide. Yay. <laughs> and like, OK, I'll. I'll... <laughs> it is kind of weird. Yeah. And like I it, it's along the same lines of Anakin doing all the horrible things he did. But in Star Wars. You can you can turn your life around. You can go to Force Heaven, and it's like, Callus admitted what he did was wrong, and yay, he didn't drive a help drive an entire culture to extinction. I mean, I think that that episode where uh, Zeb and Callus are kind of alone together, I think they do a good job at showing how they reconcile and like how they explain each other's stories. Um, in a way that they they can find some common ground and like forgive each other, and this te- takes that a step further where he can get some closure by going with Seb to the Lasat planet and like living out his days there. I guess. Yeah, I don't know. They they may have just been like, let's visit. But yeah. I think that Star Wars sometimes just wants you to look at the the personal and not the big picture because sometimes the more you think about the big picture you're like that's pretty unforgivable but in this mythology of just someone realizing i did something very wrong and i need to atone for it and i can do better Mm -hmm. like that's the lesson we're supposed to take away from it but uh that one's a doozy yeah like yeah i feel like if this were like a ben solo kylo ren situation they would have just had zeb or not Zeb, Callus, uh, sacrifice himself in some big brave way, and then he's dead, and and Zeb is sad. That's a good point, though, that Callus is, maybe we'll see him more. Uh, He is in the middle of atoning for what he did, which is something that I've always, like, I wish Star Wars would do that more. Mm -hmm. And he's got a lot to atone for, but, like, let's see the Star Wars version of that. And I, I think they, if they had had more time to spread out season four or even do a season four and five for rebels they probably would have taken their time a little bit more of having everyone accept him into the rebellion because that does happen pretty quick you're that's a great point to go back to like avatar the last airbender where zuko gets an episode with every single person to the point where Mm -hmm. even toff says like oh is this my adventure with you where we become best friends (laughs) like 
Yeah, they, they could have done that. It is nice to be able to see that, though, and they I think they just didn't have time to to show us that to that extent mm-hmm. for Rebels Season 4. So it would be nice to see more of, of Callus. That There's just a lot of the epilogue things that are very, like, big moments that they want to be like, here's what happened, and you're like, oh, wow, that's a lot to take in in the last final moments. <laughs> but, but they're big moments in the way that I think the writers wanted to be like, here's a little taste just in case we get to revisit this, yes. which we are. Yep. And so, yeah, let's talk about the the stuff from the trailers for Ahsoka that has been like one-to-one almost recreations of shots from Rebels. And it's like Sabine with the mural and the short hair getting ready to go on this journey with Ahsoka. I recently noticed that, okay, her cloak is white instead of gray. And I think there's a reason for that. And we'll find out in Ahsoka. But underneath the white cloak, she is wearing her what looks very close to what we see her wearing in the Mandalorian in the book of Boba Fett. The like dark blue. Yeah. The like grayish with like a ring belt. And I'm like, Oh, that is the costume. It's just that they changed the cloak. That was her. Like I'm in the ship and I want to be cozy cloak, but like out on a mission and out on the town and stuff, that thing's gonna get That's dirty. That's gonna get so dirty. Yeah. So like, she probably has the other stuff underneath the white one, uh-huh. and maybe it was just chilly that day. She was like, "I want to be not cozy." A cloak. It's her favorite blanket. It's her favorite blanket, and <laughs> that big old staff is actually just a hand warmer. <laughs> <laughs> that's the TV remote. She she just <laughs> came off the couch and was like, "Look, we gotta go do this thing." <laughs> <laughs> I've been binging shows, but it's time to finally say Ezra. <laughs> We all look like that at one point or another, answering the doorbell, just like wrapped up in a blanket with the remote. What do you want? Yeah. I'm here to to, to do something. But I, I do think the Ahsoka series, whether or not it's this season, but I think we're going to end that story with the white cloak. And I think that that's going to be kind of her journey and a symbol of it from the gray cloak to the white, from her being like, I am no Jedi to... Maybe I am a Jedi in my own way. Yeah, because we need that Gandalf storyline mm-hmm. because Gandalf dies and comes back as Gandalf the White and his story continues. And right. like, it's so similar. And, and Filoni has said as much that like Ahsoka has a very Gandalf-like story. And I assume we'll get a very Gandalf-like end for her at some point. Yeah, I, I love that sketch of that he's done of Ahsoka the White. And I think... And Gandalf just hanging out together. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, like we said, Filoni loves his Tolkien and mm-hmm. takes a lot of inspiration from it. We only have one more thing to talk about the way we close out all of our seasons. Uh, the final chopper kill count. Uh, what do you think the body count was this season? Well, I way overestimated for last season. It's He's impossible to predict, to because, be fair. Well, because of season two and like him taking out whole ships... So I'm going to go a lot lower this time, and I'm going to say the chopper takes out 10, 10 lives. You're you're close, and you might be right. I counted six confirmed kills, uh, but there is a moment in A World Between Worlds where he is just maniacally driving like a drill, oh, yeah. and you can't see what happens to all the stormtroopers. I wouldn't be surprised if he got a handful of them, but I'm going to count... <laughs> The six that I know happened, uh, and you know, if he did get four more, it's not going to change 
the number much because mm-hmm. of season two. So that brings his kill count up to 4,603. Wow. <laughs> Although I think Sabine doesn't get involved in the conversation enough like chopper got a lot of kills with those ships crashing into one another which was all his fault Mm -hmm. and he did it on purpose but sabine shoots a lot of stormtroopers oh yeah i was like she has a way higher body count than chopper this season and how many times does zeb uh knock two stormtroopers heads together and like knock them out and possibly kill them it's the same two stormtroopers over and over they're like giles and buffy just constantly being knocked out (laughs) their their health is not good oh they probably have a memory like mine (laughs) like what was your favorite part of the season i don't remember i don't remember the first time i saw it (laughs) it was so long ago it was a long time ago 2017 but six years after doing this for uh, an hour and 15 minutes and talking about the episodes and and revisiting them i start to remember more you did great and i can always go back and watch these videos that will be on the internet for forever whenever i'm like what happened in that season and you can too you can too (laughs) you did great we did great we finished a rewatch before we said we were going to or at the same time as we said we were going to just in time to like really get excited for ahsoka to come after this comes out, you'll probably be seeing a lot of recap videos for like specific characters catching you up on everything you need to know going into the start of Ahsoka. Yeah, basically a bunch of summaries of Star Wars Rebels for people who haven't watched it uh, or just want a refresher on the specific characters that will probably be popping up. But we're going to wrap it up for today. So thank you all so much for watching. If you haven't already, please like this video, subscribe to the channel. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Threads, Blue Sky, and Facebook. And consider checking out our Patreon page where we're going to be having audio commentaries and video reactions for every episode of Ahsoka as they come out. As always, thanks for watching, and may the Force be with you.